Friday, everyone, and welcome back to a fun bonus episode of Let's Chat Markets. We're featuring a very special discussion today to feature one of our speakers that will be in attendance at our inaugural Dairy Outlook Conference this June in Chicago. The conference will cover everything from structural shifts on farm around the world, policy, price forecasts, and consumer demand trends in the U.S., as well as internationally. Charles Funnel, who's on with us today, his session will be covering risk management from an end user's perspective, given his past experience in multiple commodities. Charles, we met you a number of years back at a dairy conference in Europe, and we were very impressed by your career in commodity risk and trading. Can you tell us a bit about your career, how you started in commodities and your path now? Well, good morning, firstly, Elisa, and thanks for having me on here on your podcast today. And it's, uh, it's good to be here. Um, so sure. So commodities, you know, have been my life, really, my whole career for the last uh, 25 years. I really started my, my career on the, in the sugar market. Um, I was uh, managing all the exports for um, sugar for South Africa, um, which is about half of their production, about 1.4 million tons annually. And that was some years ago. But th- the thing about my experience in South Africa was really taught me how to get close to the commodity because as a producer, you have to understand the agricultural drivers of what you're trading. And you're not just trading a screen, you're, you're really trading something you see in the field every day. And so it was very helpful to really understand the, the upstream value that was being created um, really as a producer. And then uh, on the downstream side to meet all the different customers. And uh, that was uh, really how I started my, my career, which I think was a good way to start because it's at the start of the value chain. And I ended my well, you know, my current career is at the end of the value chain. So it's been an interesting sort of progress. And since then, I've done, you know, I moved on to a trade house at, at Cargill, where I was um, basically selling around 3 million tons a year to, to the largest sugar refineries around the world and build, building a structured trading book for, the, for Cargill. Um, and then on to the hedge fund uh, uh, thereafter, which is I call the Ferrari of trading, if you like, because, um, you know, it was a very fast paced environment, um, but we did lots of futures and even did physicals as well. So I kept that contact with the physical market. I took delivery twice off the, uh, off the uh, October number 11 sugar market, um, and it was a fascinating experience. So overall, look, it's been a really nice journey and uh, has gone really from the upstream side as producer to the downstream as, a, as an end user. And it's been a, um, a really interesting experience. Yeah, that's great. That does give you a really good perspective on markets, being able to you know, work across the entire value chain. That adds a lot of value, I'm sure. I'm curious what the biggest difference has been in working for a trading company like Cargill, uh, a hedge fund like Aisling, or Savola Foods versus working at a multi-nat CPG company managing global risk. That, that's an interesting question because uh, it's th- two different takes on risk, if you like. Trading companies take a lot more risk than end users, and and there's a reason for that. Um, that because they have to really, um, they have no. A set margin. There's no margin in place. It's really a blank bit of paper and you have to create. So whether you're at a trading company or a hedge fund, um, you, you have to trade. And so you have to put on risk in order to create profit. Whereas at these CPG companies, you know, there's really a margin there, and it can be quite a generous margin for most of the big sort of five companies. Um, and so in, in inherently, they tend to be a bit more risk averse and prefer no risk or to mitigate volatility. Um, with the aim of remaining competitive in their space. 
So it's really a different focus. And I, I think that's the main, um, the main difference between the two is one has, has to trade to create a margin. The other one has a margin inherently in what they do. And so is kind of risk off in mentality. Uh, and that creates a, a different approach to how one manages risk. Oh, perfect answer. Thank you for that. Um, and then I'm really curious because I have a history of basically analyzing every single commodity you could imagine from hogs to soybeans to cotton and all the way, of course, now to dairy. Um, of all the commodities that you've managed, which one has been your favorite and why? And then I'm curious which one was the worst. I know what my answer would be. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, look, sugar is everyone's favorite commodity because it's in everything we all enjoy, right? So, um, you know, I think that that's a, that's a short answer to um, to my favorite one in terms of, um, you know, what people like. But uh, look, I enjoy all commodities uh, as long as they're logical, you know. Um, and I think that if you take a, a commodity which I wouldn't enjoy trading, it would probably be crude um, because, I'm happy at volatility and happy for the beat movement, but where it, it's more difficult and is more kind of uh, haphazard, I think crude sort of fits that. It's, um, it's a very difficult market to trade. So I wouldn't really want to trade that. Unfortunately, it's on a soft monetary, so that's great. Um, I haven't traded crude. I think in terms of the most challenging market I've ever faced was probably due to timing more than anything else. Um, when I started um, at Unilever in August 2014, um, the U.S. butter market was at 275 cents a pound and rising, right? There's an actual solution for the market's rise and it still needed to work itself out. And that year it actually went up above 300 cents a pound, amazingly, the first time we'd seen that. And I, what I can say is that since then, I immediately changed after a week or a month in the job, um, having not traded U.S. butter before, I, I changed the approach to U.S. butter hedging thereafter in a, in a fairly substantial way. And we move much more to adopting um, a more fundamental analysis and approach to that risk, which after that actually worked out quite well for us. But um, um, certainly at the time, it, it felt like the worst commodity ever, given that it was 10 times the price of sugar and I still couldn't find a solution. Um, it was fairly challenging, um, whereas today I actually, actually enjoy US butter. I think it's a great market. But I think overall, you know, even if markets are liquid, as long as it's fundamental and as long as it's logical, I'm okay with that. And uh, and most markets are, and the dairy markets are particularly fundamental. And so they may not always be um, liquid, and but they do have volatility, but they remain fundamental markets. And, th and that's good for me. That's kind of interesting um, how your perspective changes, especially when you enter a commodity during a bull market. Um, that's always been fascinating to me. Do you find that there are similarities to managing sugar risk or other soft products versus dairy risk? I think they're actually very similar in approach. They're just adjustments you need to make for illiquidity. Um, certainly get more of that in, in, in dairy. It's not the most liquid market. It's improved a lot thanks to you know, the brokerage houses such as High Ground who've improved that liquidity for participants. So certainly that, that's an improvement there. The volatility is certainly there. So it's, a, it's volatile and can be exceptionally volatile, but, but so, are, so can other softs. You know? But I think the real difference is understanding that dairy can be more of a domestic business for a good chunk of it. You know, For example, butter. The butter markets are more domestically driven markets and 95% domestic in the case of the US and, and the EU. And therefore, they have different dynamics. They tend to be more local and less global. 
even though this is changing in 2021, and I'm sure we'll touch on this at your, your conference, because clearly the drivers have changed and the global impacts are much more present even in local markets, such as the butter markets, than they used to be. So in a nutshell, yes, there's a lot of similarity, but also there are these key differences, and you have to understand it in dairy because it really impacts in the way these markets trade. And you know, you have a, a much more global market in the form of powders, whereas the butter markets are still very local, fragmented markets, which will respond to their own domestic needs. And therefore, you need to understand that and adopt a slightly more adapted risk management approach accordingly. Yeah, that's brilliant. I love that answer. That was really perfect. And I think a lot of people have a hard time understanding that, uh, like with recent um, volatility in the U.S. markets and understanding why it is or isn't reacting to what's going on in the rest of the world. So thank you for that. What do you think big companies have right when it comes to hedging and what are they doing wrong? Yeah, this is a really a key question for a lot of these companies because they generally have good governance is what they do, right? They're good, strong governance. Um, they now have risk management teams, which is also quite new relatively to, to other companies um, or other, other commodity environments um, because most of these risk management teams started probably after the financial crisis. So they're only about 12 years old. And they also have a growing awareness that it, that risk, the commodity risk, needs to be looked at on its own and, and can't just be incorporated into treasury procurement. No, it needs a separate function to study it. You know. So clearly there are some, some really good points there in, in terms of how they're evolving. But at the same time, you know, multinationals can be slow. They can be bureaucratic um, versus a, a fast-moving market, particularly in today's times. And they can also be slow on decision-making and the markets today don't allow for protracted decision-making times. And so I think that's one of the challenges that these multinationals face is to be a little bit more flexible and, and really also consider risk from a different perspective. Because you know, if you're not taking risk or not putting on hedging, um, it's not reducing risk, it's actually ignoring risk per se because the risk doesn't go away because you don't hedge. It's a risk decision not to hedge as it is to hedge. And therefore, the fact that the risk is still there, it still needs to be managed. And I think that's one area where the education still needs to take place in terms of how these multinationals approach risk um, slightly more from, I would say, a more proactive way um, and adopt a more trade house approach, which would actually probably allow for more profitability and, in all honesty, more margin protection, which at the end of the day is a key uh, output of the of the risk management function. Incredible. Um, thank you for that. And is that part of what your mission is now with what you're doing with consulting? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the main function is for people to say to themselves, how do we manage risk today? And if we don't have a mindset for managing risk that are actually becoming a lot more prevalent in today's market because of COVID in China, because of the war in Ukraine, because of the already tight situation that was there across many commodities before these problems arose, um, that if you don't adopt a, a structured approach to that, you become very exposed and can really, it can really impact your bottom line and your margins. So what I would kind of encourage people to do, and this is what I do today with industrials who ask me to do this for them, is to establish a risk management strategy. Just take a look at your business, Look at the, um, do a review, look at the core drivers, your core risks across your value chain, and at least to take stock and assess where you are in that. Um, you don't have to go further. You don't have to put in place a risk management team or 
you know, invest in it particularly. But at least if you do that review, it's a good starting point. And some people want to go further. Some of my industrials, they've already done that review. They, they want to have active risk management and hedging advice. And they also want some trading advice and, and um, trading support as well versus some very difficult markets. And so that's what I encourage, I think, industrials to adopt is at least a review of the strategy. Um, and then afterwards, you know, potentially look further to actually, you know, having an active function that can really make you sleep. It really, the essence of it is to make you sleep well at night so that you always have a plan. If something goes wrong, if there's a lot of volatility out there, that you're able to manage some of those risks with a dedicated um, function and, and a, a dedicated strategy. Awesome. Yeah, I was going to ask you to give our listeners a tip on how to change their mindset when it comes to managing price risk, but I think you answered it right there. So I appreciate that. Um, yeah. But that, why do you think dairy is lagging behind other commodities when it does come to uh, risk management and hedging? Well, I think that, as I mentioned, I think that dairy suffers a little bit from this local mentality. So it's like, well, we know our local market, it's domestic, so why worry, you know? And yet we've seen across many, many markets, the domestic side, look at you sugar, it's another good example, where prices are very, very high. It's a domestic market primarily, but it links in with the world market and it's becoming much more influenced by what's going on outside. And so, you know, if you look at the dairy side, which does link in with grains because of the feed connection, um, this is something that's evolving and growing. And you can't just ignore the fact that wheat prices have gone up by 40, 50 percent. You know, it does have an impact on your business. And so, you know, I think that that's where it's suffered. It's been OK so far because it's got away with it. But in times of crisis, as we saw in 2011 and the, on the grains and now in 2022, where we're seeing additional stress on grains, that those impacts are now filtering through to dairy. And so in a way, you have to have a wider view of the world. Um, and not just look at your own domestic market. So really dairy has suffered a little bit from a, a local mentality and a slightly protected view um, because markets have not been you know, historically high over the last few years, particularly in, in grains, where for a period of four or five years they weren't. But today that, that's all changing. And so you know, not only more susceptible to outside influences, but your main drivers there, at least on the... Uh, and the upstream um, are on historic highs, and therefore it's very important to take that into account and have a wider view of your risk today rather than just your own domestic dairy market. Wow, this has me so excited for your session at our conference next month. Um, I think our attendees and customers and um, everyone that's going to be joining us are going to learn a lot from you, and um, I'm really excited for that. So last time I saw you was in Chicago. We had a delicious steak. Um, but other than that, what are you most looking forward to when you return to Chicago next month? Well, the, the, the first thing that I'd say, the, the two things I really like about Chicago in general, and the first is, you know, frankly, the cocktails at the Drake Hotel, there are no better in, in the country. And um, so that will certainly be a, a visit I'll have to make. But more importantly, um, frankly, is just the very friendly welcome that you get in Chicago. You know, I've never hidden my uh, love for Chicago as a city. I've been going to it for 25 years. And uh, frankly, it's the friendliest city in the States. Um, and uh, certainly I'll be really looking forward after COVID particularly uh, and the travel restrictions to be coming back and seeing that very friendly smile again. So really looking forward to it. Well, we can't wait to have you, Charles. Thank you so <laughs> much for your time today. This was a really great episode. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Lisa. Cheers. Cheers.
Be sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. And if you're interested in receiving more information as well as our analysis, please visit highgrounddairy.com to request a free 30-day trial today. Futures and options trading involves substantial risk and is not suitable for all investors. Thank you.